heights to the depths of the sea. Now at this point, Judas has already left the room, and so now Jesus has the other eleven all to himself, and he says this to them. He says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Notice, in my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. The disciples had reason to be troubled. Jesus had told them that one of them was a traitor, that all of them would deny him, and that he would leave them on that night. All of this would legitimately trouble the disciples, yet Jesus told them, let not your heart be troubled. Jesus never promised us we would have life without trouble, but he promised that we could have an untroubled heart even in a troubled life. Instead of giving into a troubled heart, Jesus told them to firmly put their trust in God and in Jesus himself. Now let's join Pastor Rob. If we could open our Bibles to John's Gospel, chapter 14. The title of this morning's message is Jesus, the Way, the Truth, and the Life. And if we, can, if we think about it, people, including us, at least at one time, we were looking, searching to find a way to heaven, searching to find some promise in the afterlife. <laughs> and I remember being a young person, uh, younger actually, and um, hearing of many people, young people, going out west trying to find themselves. They, they come out of their homes, they're 18, and they, they get a little anxious, and they want to fly the coop, and they go out west, or they go, they go to Los Angeles, or they go to New York City. I have no idea why those two places are so popular. But uh, they go out there and try to find themselves, and they end up getting themselves into a lot of trouble. They try to find themselves. They try to find their way, and there's no greater way than Jesus. And we all, before we came to Christ, we were all searching. We were searching for that thing, that something to hang on to. And yet Jesus, all along, was waiting there for us. He is the anchor. He is the author. It's important that we come to him. But people are looking for truth. They want something that's real, something they can be assured of, something, someone they can trust in. But isn't it true that in this world, apart from the word of God itself, truth is very hard to find? Can anybody attest to that? Truth is very hard to find. Aren't you glad that we have this truth? The truth of God. And if you don't know this to be the truth, then you're missing out on the most important thing in your life. 
Because this word of God is given to us as a love letter from God. Telling us who he is, who we are, the great gulf that's between us, and the, and the mediator, the one who came to redeem us, to save us, to reconcile us back to the Father, because we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But to look for truth in this world apart from the Spirit of God and apart from the Word of God is very, very difficult. We have to work hard to find the truth in this life apart from the Word of God. And there's really no place that we should go than the truth of the Word of God. But truth is important. I remember before I was saved, there was a a famous singer that I used to really enjoy listening to, Billy Joel. He wrote a song back in 1978 called Honesty. And the lyrics of that song, which I thought was interesting as I was preparing the message, this, unfortunately, this song was going through my head because it, it, it is important. But, but the, it says, honesty is such a lonely word. Everyone is so untrue. Honesty is hardly ever heard and mostly what I need from you. And honesty, truthfulness, is something that we need today. Uh, in order to be healthy in our relationships, in order for us to have a healthy culture, society, a healthy heart and a mind, it's important to have truth, because truth is essential. And today we know there is relativism. Today there is this postmodern theology where people are foolishly making decisions based on their own laws that they make up and their own truth that they have concocted somehow. And people want to control their own lives. They think that life is, that real life is being free from restraints and free from accountability, but we know that life is not that at all. Life actually is is uh, we are accountable to a holy God who's created us. He's created you and I, and so it behooves us to get to know who this one is. It behooves us to know who he is. But many people today, their life is characterized by what we read in Psalm 2. Remember a Psalm of David, it says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, and here it is, let us break their bonds, let us break the restraint that is on us in pieces and cast away their cords from us. And what is God's response to that? He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. That's not the end of God that I want to to know. And can I get a show of hands? Anybody here? Actually, I hope you don't raise your hand, but a show of hands. Anybody want to see the wrath of God? Do they want to experience the wrath of God? None of us do. We don't want the wrath of God. We want the love and the grace of God. But Jesus said, as many people are trying to find their own way, he had the audacity, because he's God, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father except through me. There is only one, and that is Jesus Christ. And you know him, hopefully, here this morning. And for those of you who don't know him, I want to encourage you, whether you hear this live here online or over the radio at some other time down the road, you have to know that He loves you. He paid the price for you. You need to know Jesus Christ. He's your only ticket. He's your only ticket to heaven. It is exclusive, but that exclusivity is open for everyone. For everyone. 
And happy is the man or woman who finds Christ at an early age. I wish I had found him when I was much earlier in my walk, actually much earlier in my life. It would have saved me in many years of going through uh, being a teenager and, and going through all the troubles that I made for myself. I would have been spared a lot of pain and a lot of heartache. And you would too, because most of us have a testimony, and that testimony is based on the things that we did that ultimately, hopefully, brought us to Christ. The heartache and the pain. Read with me. We're going to look at the first 14 verses this morning. And obviously the greatest verse, actually all of them are really good, but the thing we're really zeroing in on is verse 6, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But notice what he says. Remember, he is in the upper room with his disciples just hours before he would go to the cross, hours before he would be betrayed by Judas. Now, at this point, Judas has already left the room, and so now Jesus has the other 11 all to himself, and he says this to them. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Notice, in my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And I love Thomas. Reminds me of me. Lord, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also, and from now on you know him and have seen him. And Philip, this reminds me of me as well, He said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. I mean, after all, who doesn't want to see God the Father? But God the Father is spirit, isn't he? You can't see him in the sense that you can see Jesus. But he said, Lord, show us the Father, and it suffices us. And Jesus said to him, have I I been with you so long, and yet have you not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. And I love how Jesus finishes this section. Of course, the the narrative goes on, but he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me... The works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, notice that, underline that, in my name, that's really critical. (laughs) Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father, notice, the Father may be glorified in the Son, and if you ask anything, underline it again, in my name, I will do it. I will do it. And so Judas has already left the room. We know that Jesus had his last Passover meal up there with the disciples. He washed their feet, including Judas's. And now Judas leaves, and Jesus shares this, really chapters 14 through 17. Uh, Some have called this the upper room discourse, where Jesus begins to prepare his, his disciples for his departure. It would be just hours from then that Jesus would go to the cross, and he would... He would be put in the grave, he would die on the cross, be put in the grave, would rise again the third day, and thankfully for them, he would be seen for 40 days, 
after that. And then he ascended from the Mount of Olives, from Bethany, into a cloud. And then the disciples, for another ten days, would wait for the promise of the Father that would come on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit of God would come down upon the believers Already having been filled with this earth, uh, having the Spirit of God indwelling them, but now coming upon them with great power, with great power, emboldening them, giving them the strength they need, the boldness to live the life now. In fact, next week we're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit in the believers, in the church, and this is really the beginning of it as we, as we continue on in verse 14. But let's go back and look at verse 1 again. Because notice what Jesus said to him, said to them. He says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. This idea of troubled means to be agitated or restless. It's like when you take, uh, when you go up to a, uh, when you're on the shore, uh, the Gulf of Mexico or something like that, and you go out there and you start stirring up the sand. It makes a, it's cloudy, it, it, it's turbid, the water is muddy by you stirring it up. That's the idea behind it. You're agitated, you're restless. And the reason Jesus said this was because of what happened in the last part of chapter 13. Look with me what happened in, uh, in that area of the Scripture. Go back and look at John um, actually, that should be John, not Luke 13. Sorry, that's a typo. <laughs> John 13, 33. Just look back a little bit. What did Jesus say to his disciples there in that upper room? He says, little children, it shall, I shall be with you a little while longer, and you will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you. And so Jesus spoke these same words to the unbelieving Jews in John 7, in verse 32. Let me just read it to you. But Jesus said this to the Pharisees and the chief priests. It says, The Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring these things concerning him. And the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. And then Jesus said to them, I will be with you a little while longer, and then I will go to him who sent me. You will seek me and not find me, and where I am you cannot come. And then the Jews said among themselves, where does he intend to go that we shall not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What is this thing that he said, you will seek me and not find me, and where I am you cannot come? And so Jesus even spoke this to those who were his antagonists, those who did not believe in him. But notice in verse 36 of John 13, Simon Peter said to Jesus, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered, where I'm going, you cannot come. You cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. This is familiar words that Peter and the men there in the room are remembering that he told unbelievers. And so now they're hearing it themselves. And do you think that's going to rattle them a little bit? Because they really didn't comprehend Jesus' purpose quite yet. It was still a little foggy in their head. They were troubled. They were agitated. They were stirred up because what are you saying? Jesus, what are you saying? And that's why Peter would say, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus is where I'm going. You cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterwards. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. And Jesus said to him, will you lay down your life for my sake, Peter? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. So I think Peter and the other guys had something to be a little uptight about, don't you? 
And what were some of those things that Jesus spoke? While he was with them at that meal, he told them that he would be leaving them and that where he was going, they couldn't come yet. He also told them that one of them was a devil. Boy, doesn't that bring an introspection upon a soul? To the point where even John, his beloved disciple, would look at him as he leaned upon Jesus' breast and said, Lord, who is it? Who is it, Lord? And he also told them that Peter would deny him three times. They had every reason to be a little agitated, as we would as well. But Peter denied Jesus, but he didn't betray him like Judas did. There's a big difference between denying and betraying. To deny somebody is to affirm that one has no acquaintance or connection with someone, but to betray someone is entirely different. That means to deliver up, to hand somebody over, and that's what Judas did. That's what Judas did. And yet, in lieu of these things, Jesus encourages Peter and the others not to be troubled in heart. You know, I believe that we worry about way too many things. I find myself worrying about way too many things. But the majority of the things that we worry about, they never actually come to fruition. Have you ever noticed that? We do a lot of worrying, but a lot of times, most of the things, the vast majority, in fact, some studies have even said over 87, 97% of the things that we worry about never actually come to fruition. So what is it? It's wasted time, time that we could have been using for something else, time that we could have been contemplating, meditating on the Word of God, things that we could have been thinking about. Well, how about dwelling on the promises of God? This chapter has got some in it. And this is certainly not an exhaustive list, but here are a few of them that we're going to find just in this chapter alone. Jesus is going to prepare a place for us. That's encouraging. That means that there's a purpose in him preparing it, that he would come for the church and bring us to his Father's house. That's the second thing. The third thing is that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We learn a lot about that. And those who believe in him would do greater works than even that he did, which sounds astounding to me, but through the Spirit of God this is possible. And also, whatever we would ask in his name, he would do it. And finally, that the Holy Spirit would indwell us, believers. And Jesus said to them in verse 1 there, You believe in God, believe also in me. Notice that Jesus' comment here is of oneness and of equality. In Philippians, we know that what it says, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And therefore, God has also highly exalted him, Jesus Christ, and given him a name above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I like that, don't you? Every knee will bow. But believing in the Father and believing in Jesus are one and the same. We know that in the Word of God it tells us this. Jesus and God the Father are equal. The Holy Spirit are equal. And that's where we get this term, the Trinity. We know that even in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
And then it tells us in verse 14 that this word, this logos, in the Greek is what it is, became flesh and dwelt among us. Who is that logos? Jesus. That's who he is. He's equal with God. In John, John's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus said this, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Are you following Jesus this morning? Have you been following Jesus? And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Notice that. They'll never perish eternally. They'll always be with him. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. What a great, another great promise, that no matter how difficult things get, no matter what the devil does, no matter what happens in your life, no one, nothing in created can snatch you out of the hand of God. If you are in him, you are secure as anything and anyone can, can make. It's more secure than anything else. That is wonderful assurance. When we sing that old hymn, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. You have, you can have that blessed assurance. There's no need to walk around with a cloud over your head, wondering. Make your calling and election sure today. Don't allow your, your thoughts and your doubts to cloud in around those things. You are one. And Jesus said, My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Do you notice? We're one. In in Jesus' high priestly prayer recorded for us in John 17, Jesus said this, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, speaking of the disciples, and us, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may be also one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me, which I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. Love that. I love the unity that we have as believers. To be one with God, in spite of our differences. In spite of politics, it ought to be that way. But you can't have the Father without Jesus. I've heard it said, well, I believe in God, but I don't believe in Jesus Christ. Well, let me tell you, there's a lot of people who believed in God that are in hell today. They believed in God, but they haven't believed in Jesus Christ because Jesus is God's salvation. He is the one that we have to believe in. In John, uh, 1 John chapter 2, it says, Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Notice, whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. So you can't just say, well, I believe in God and I'm good. no. There's a lot of people who believe in God. The devils believe in God. And they are opposed to him. They hate him. And they know very well their, their doom that's coming. And isn't, that, isn't that insanity? How is it that an angel that is created, a created being, can look at its creator and they know better than we do? And yet they can say, no thanks. That is the ultimate in lunacy. And they followed one of the most powerful angels. All it took was one, Lucifer, to say, I will rise above. I will do this. I, I, I. Oh, my. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. And he who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So you can't have one 
without Jesus. It all stems upon Jesus. That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.